Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 29. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide, and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another edition of the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 29. I'm joined today by Christopher Russell. How we doing? Good. How are you about you? Awesome. Uh, today, we've got a couple of, or one big announcement that we're making, and it'll probably lead us off into a bunch of other tangents. Uh, Always does. <laughs> for better or for worse. If in the background you hear a little bit of clicking sound, that's uh, Lucky the Wonder Dog running around um, we no longer have carpet here, so she's running around on the wooden floor. So, uh, yeah, for whatever that's worth. So our big announcement is that we are in the very final stages of securing our second articulation agreement with the University of Maine at Presque Isle, um, a branch of the University of Maine system. We've been uh, in discussions with them for quite some time, and they are going to start offering college credit for our programs starting with the spring semester. And that's a, a big deal for us. We've had an articulation agreement. <laughs> We've had an articulation agreement with Western State Colorado University since 2007. Uh, and the second one is, you know, maybe the hardest to get that, that sophomore jinx, if you mm. will. Um, so, but we're excited about that. Also, differing from uh, Western State Colorado University, the credits that students will be able to receive for taking part in our programs will be more uh, focused on hard sciences, which is great for people, say, further along in their degree program. Um, the credits from Western State are a lot of general education credits. So if you're a first or second year student, great. They usually fit in well with your degree program or your degree plan, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, the upper level science credits and things um, just work better for students who have more academics under their belt because there are fewer empty spaces in the degree plan to fill in. So uh, we're super excited about that. It's about 35 minutes from the field school to the uh, University of Maine at Presque Isle or from here on out Umpy to the uh, to the Umpy campus so we plan to have a uh, presence on campus with regards to you know having students come out to our place us uh, helping well, we already to, go there <laughs> us helping to to uh, to run programs or to make appearances during classes and appearances on campus and we're just pretty excited about that um, 
one of the really cool things about this was that uh, this was one of the first times where someone ever was questioning and then uh, the fact that I have a master's degree <laughs> was a foot in the door. <laughs> you know, up to this point, they're like, oh, do you have any college or whatever? And I would say yes and, and whatever. But, you know, it just finally there's something that makes that extra 15 months in, in academia kind of worthwhile. I'm glad you could have that experience, Tim. <laughs> after, yeah, after almost uh, how long? <laughs> twenty years. Twenty years. Twenty years. Finally, you know, it's it's all about the long game, though. It always is. It really is. People about don't give it enough game. credit. I'm a whole uh, firm, firm believer in the uh, in the long game. So, in you know, we're excited to work together with Umpy. Initially, it's going to be they will provide credits for our semester programs and our. Wilderness Canoe Expedition Semester and our Boreal Snowshoe Expedition, um, similar to what Western State Colorado University offers. Uh, but looking towards the future, we're really excited to create new programs and to add an academic twist to some of our existing programs and expeditions. For example, um, I think 2019, we're probably going to run another trip up north to go out with our Cree friends in northern Quebec and we're looking forward to trying to put together academic credit in anthropology for a trip up there, cross-cultural studies, yeah. subsistence lifestyles. Um, and we're pretty excited to, to look into that. Uh, as well as, you know, looking further down the road, maybe creating a certification or a certificate program through UMPI and adding significantly to a uh, degree in outdoor education. Yeah, I think that's a cool aspect of it. Um, we were talking beforehand and talking about how, you know, you wanted, this is the degree you wanted and it didn't exist. So I think it's cool that now we can make that, I mean, not happen overnight, but it's cool that we can start moving towards it instead of just studying business because you want a degree. Yeah, what Christopher's talking about, um, you know, way back in the day, as an undergraduate, I got my degree in cultural anthropology. And what I wanted to study was subsistence lifestyles, um, you know, cross-cultural studies of, of people like our Cree friends in northern Quebec and just people who lived really close to the land. And that sort of thing wasn't, it, it just wasn't available. You know, I looked pretty high and low and never really found anything that, that was remotely close to it. So then, you know, upon upon getting out of school and starting the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School, one of our one of my long term goals was was to make traditional outdoor education a viable option for college students. So to to sort of help to provide that field of study that just wasn't available when I was a younger guy. It still isn't now. I mean, it, the part that's fascinating to me is that like if. Um, if when I started doing college stuff, someone had told me that like you could study this kind of stuff, that would absolutely what what I been what I did. Um, but like you said, it just doesn't exist. And even the outdoor ed that exists is more you know being wrapped in plastic and bombing down rivers, not really anything like um, the sustainability and living close to the land that we usually do up at the semesters. Yeah, just the idea that that our modern university level outdoor education is. Uh, sees its roots in mountaineering mm -hmm. and sort of the big national outdoor education companies, you know, Outward Bound Knowles, and they, they kind of have the same playbook. It's about yeah. 
they look at human interaction with the natural world uh, and see nature sort of as a backdrop and a place to do interpersonal skills and mm -hmm. communications and and you know things like that and what we're looking at is is completely different that we want to study how humans have lived on the land throughout the vast majority of human history so it's not about um you know uh it's not about uh, say conflict resolution and peak bagging mm -hmm. if you will and about the latest greatest piece of outdoor gear maybe it's about how to how did different cultures look at the land? How did they live on the land? What were the hard skills and the technology they used to, to wrest a living from the land, you know, especially in, in super inhospitable places? Yeah. Well, I think the coolest part to me is, you know, having a traditional outdoor ed degree, uh, the, the outdoors almost become like your office. Like you go out and do your, do your work and then you leave and you go right back to living the way you, everybody else does right like in an apartment or something but with some of the stuff that we teach up there it's totally viable that you can live exactly what you teach and that's awesome to me that you could come and take a course with us or you know get a degree in hypothetically get a degree in traditional outdoor ed and you could you could go homestead and live this stuff and it would be every day of your life rather than it being you know almost like your version of a nine to five which is what a lot of outdoor ed jobs now seem like to me where you live like everybody else but you know on weekends you go out and show people the outdoors and then just walk right away from it again yeah it's a good point we've actually had past students semester students do that we had a, a guy um in the early days of the semester program i think he was 48 years old when he matriculated to to jack mountain <laughs> and he had been a career truck driver mm -hmm. in the chicago area like wow. born and raised and then at the end of the course he bought I want to say he bought 30 acres uh, in in uh, way eastern Maine, like right along the New Brunswick border, wow. and raised sheep. And I think he still drives a truck now and again for, for money. We're in touch via email every couple of years. Um, but, you know, just that radical yeah. change of lifestyle. And you, you don't get those options from a traditional or from a regular outdoor ed degree. You, but this is something that's totally viable if you're learning the stuff that we're teaching, which is cool. Yeah, to be able to live lightly on the land. You know, one of our definitions for bushcraft is life without infrastructure. So at the field school, very by design, very limited infrastructure. Um, and I'm able to maintain that sort of lifestyle here at my home in New Hampshire. Uh, whereas, you know, I have sawdust composting toilets. We've got a huge compost pile outside. Uh, you know, everything goes in there and just all the, you know, what, I guess what would sort of be looked at as sort of backup plans for systems. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have them all here just because that's the lifestyle that I'm used to. And, and to be honest, it's the lifestyle that I enjoy. It, uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's always funny to me, the stuff that, you know, I don't want to naysay anybody, but like people that are preppers always talk about having like, a, like you said, a backup plan for every system that could go down. But if the backup plan is something that you know can't fail, why wouldn't you just be using that all the time? That's that's gold right there. <laughs> I, I just it just doesn't make sense to me. Like it, if if you know if your whole everyday life relies on a thing that can go bad and you have no control over fixing it, but for but you have something that 
you can use if that goes bad why would you ever pay money to use the thing that can be broken and you have to rely on someone else to fix it it just doesn't make sense to me i can't wrap my head around it i don't know how we got here but i'm glad we did and thus is the paradox of modern life actually yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> actually i don't know how we got here but i'm glad we did kind of sums up my whole relationship with everything with you tim i just need <laughs> you to know that <laughs> the paradox part or the whatever i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. And I ask myself that every every time. You know, we have a modern house here in New Hampshire with 80 million moving pieces and everything can and in my instance, in my experience, does break on a regular basis. Yep. Um, so I often will just, you know, use those backups by default. So yeah, for example, absolutely. Uh, again, I don't want to make too big of a deal out of the, the composting system, but, you know, since... Since, uh, what, 1996, 1995, that's been my usual way of doing things. Is, uh, and, you know, to, yeah. to at this point, you know, this many years in. You to, can't change. Yeah, I can't change. <laughs> uh, anyway. No, it's a, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how we got on that tangent. Oh, that, yeah. You, that's, that's the kind of stuff you couldn't, uh, you couldn't get from a regular outdoor ed degree. Like, you would... You would know how to, you know, keep people wrapped in plastic and warm long enough to go out on a week-long trip. But as soon as you get back, you're right back into modern life. And, you know, maybe that's for you, but I, I know that there are a certain quadrant of people that they're looking for something different. They're looking for something that's permanent in their lifestyle. And I, I strongly believe that we can offer that. By and quadrant, I, you mean 25% by definition? There's definitely 25% of people that we could get to come up and use compost toilets. <laughs> If not more. It's just our really. evil way of uh, getting more soil for the garden. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, thinking about the origins or why those ways that humans have lived close to the land since our origins, why they matter. Recently, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I read an article and that based on some archaeological evidence, they have pushed back the origin date for anatomically modern human beings. So... People with the same bodies that we have, the same brains that we have, that if they knew our language, they could sit down and talk to us and they would be absolutely no different than us. They've pushed that date back to 350,000 years. So anatomically modern humans, according to science now, have been running around on this planet for 350,000 years and those dates never last very long, right? The, who knows, they may push it yeah. back even further. So the, you know, the idea is that um, we've been around for a long, long time running around on this planet. And I think both of us just read this past fall, read that book, uh, Sex at Dawn. Yes, we did. Christopher Ryan. Yeah, really interesting book about uh, human sexuality and prehistory. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the case that he makes and the case for primitive technology and the case for learning all about prehistory is if we look at... You know, 350,000 years we've been running around on this planet, or our species has. We've got a written history that goes back maybe 1%, you know, maybe mm -hmm. like 1500 BC. I mean, there are some older written records, but, but not much, not much older. So the idea is that that's 1% of our time on the planet. And we put all of our eggs historically into that basket. And when we look at, you know, why do we do the things we do today? Why are we driven by the things that drive us? the 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 mystery uh the mysterious origins of of those questions lie in that 
99% of time where there was no written history, you know, in yeah. prehistory. It's, yeah, it's a frustrating thing to think about because there's so much that, I mean, we think we live in pretty close to the land and that we have a good basis and at least when we're on the semesters and stuff, but there's a lot, there's a lot of, I don't know, a lot of culture we'll never, ever understand. And that's a little frustrating because I think we could learn a lot from a lot of those older civilizations, but not, not at all related. Um, when I read the article, one of the articles you, that said the same thing about them pushing back the date, they used the term that uh, mankind is getting a little long in the tooth. And I, I have a problem with that because I don't have tusks yet. And if we've been evolving for that long, like I should have tusks. Don't use that phrase if I don't get like saber-toothed tiger tusks. I think their point was that we, have, we haven't been evolving for that long, that we've been kind of stationary for that long. I don't understand science, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, clearly I don't understand science. Can't you get, isn't there, we had a former student who sent us a photo of him with tusks. Was that like from a, what was that, like a tattoo shop or a piercing place or? I don't know. No. Oh, yeah, 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 the piercings, yeah. <laughs> I guess I could do that. Is that what it was? It was piercings yeah. and he had tusks? The guy literally had, you looked at him and he had tusks. Yep. I don't know exactly how that works. I know he didn't grow them himself. But I want to know if he can fight other males for dominance with them. <laughs> That's uh, that's pretty disturbing. Yeah. Anyway. And? And. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Umpy, weren't we? Yeah. So so we have our second articulation agreement, and we don't have all the details yet. We're still working them out, but they should be available prior to our spring uh, 2018 semester. So pretty excited about this. It's our 2018 is our 20th anniversary year. Um, so we have a lot of pretty cool, actually, um, pretty cool announcements to make, uh, about our 2018 season. And this is our first one. So yes. big announcement. Number one, new articulate, new articulation agreement with the that word just doesn't agree with uh, you. It's a hard word to say. It really is <laughs> <laughs> new articulation agreement, new articulation agreement with the university of Maine at Presque Isle. So yep. we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, that'll wrap up uh, this episode, um, but we'll hit you back here pretty quick with yeah, another one. absolutely. Stay tuned for more announcements. We'll see ya. One thing we forgot to mention in our discussion about our new articulation agreement with Umpy was that we should have the ability to process uh, federal financial aid for students looking to matriculate and take our courses and receive college credit through UMPI. So if you're a student and you currently have grants or receive financial aid and you're interested in taking a Jack Mountain Bushcraft School immersion program, we should be able to set that up. But more information coming soon on this.